Hi, my name is Kirk Hamilton, your host of the Staying Healthy Today Show. This is a show where we bring you key experts in the fields of nutrition, prevention, integrative and lifestyle medicine. We review the medical literature and we review case studies. Today's show topic is sepsis, cancer, acute illness, and the use of intravenous vitamin C. Our guest today is Dr. Jeannie Drisco. MD, Director of the Kansas University Integrative Medicine Department. She's a Reardon Endowed Professor of Orthomolecular Medicine at KU Medical Center in Kansas City. And they are going to have a first-time conference, which I am incredibly excited about, entitled Intravenous Vitamin C Integrative Therapies. And this will be on Friday, September 30th, and Saturday, October 1st, 2016. And I guess that this is probably one of the first pure conferences on intravenous vitamin C with a, a lot of science behind it. Is that correct, Jeannie? It is absolutely correct. And thank you so much for thinking about doing this podcast on uh, on intravenous vitamin C. I, I'm so appreciative. Thank you. Well, I'm going to call Dr. Drisco Jeannie because she always uh, reprimands me over the years, so I got it right the first time. Um, That's right. So, For me, see, this is a passion because when we get into this medicine, I've been doing it 30 years, and as a clinician, you know, we've tried intravenous vitamin C because of the work of Frederick Klenner and Cathcart and others, and we know something good happens, but we don't have the scientific proof, and so you got the ball rolling, um, well, you and others got the ball rolling with intravenous vitamin C and cancer, and then also when Dr. Fowler and company did the sepsis study with intravenous vitamin C, because I've always felt in my heart that the real power of nutrients would come from actually intravenous therapies in acute illness, not necessarily prevention as much as I think the power will be seen in in acute illness. So with that, um, how did you come up with this conference? Uh, How long have you been working on it? Well, uh, we decided, uh, I I was speaking with Kay Chen, Dr. Kay Chen and, and Dr. Mark Levine, and it's really, we've never gotten everybody together. And a lot of these researchers, we're in a pretty small community, so we know each other and we speak frequently, email frequently, ask questions back and forth. But we've we've not all gotten together in one room. So I'm very excited to be able to host this. So you have about 10 speakers as I was looking down the list. Is that correct? That's correct. So let's start off with the first day, Friday, September 30th, you have Dr. Kay Chen, who I know is one of your colleagues. What is she going to talk about and maybe a little bit about her background? Kay Chen is a a PhD and had been trained as a postdoc in Mark Levine's lab at the NIH. So she really cut her teeth on the, the basic underpinning of what might be happening to cancer cells because of the introduction of vitamin C. So this was first in just cell tissues, but then she expanded it to animal studies. And after she finished her postdoc, I was really fortunate to have Kay come here and join me at KU Medical Center. So we go back and forth and talk, and I'll share our clinic experience, and she shares what she sees in the the basic science lab. And we're always coming up with ideas and, and what to look for and 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 very exciting findings. So it's really been the best, I think, of the combination. They call it translational medicine, but it's really the best when you combine that basic science with the clinic practice. What will be her topic? Will be vitamin C as a pro-oxidant in cancer therapy, or what is she going to speak about? I think so, but she's really really discovered 
a lot of, um, of the, the, the biochemical pathways that the vitamin C might be working in cancer cells. And there turns out there's going to be multiple pathways. I can't tell you all of them right now because we're just getting ready to, we, we've just this week submitted a paper to Science Translational Medicine looking at um, IV vitamin C use in pancreatic cancer, and we've really come up with some interesting um, routes uh, that the vitamin C travels down. Well, well, it becomes hydrogen peroxide, and then it travels down. So she's going to be talking about some of these new findings. So it's safe to say that uh, intravenous vitamin C, one way it works is by running into a transitional metal and creating hydrogen peroxide, and that kind of zaps the cancer cell. Is that correct? That's correct, and it does it by multiple routes, it looks like. It does it through actual impact on the DNA it, in the nucleus. It does it by um, changes in the extracellular space. It does it by affecting the mitochondria of the cancer cell and, and some other pathways um, that are very exciting. And what we're finding is, uh, yes, it is hydrogen peroxide that's, that's doing all of these wonderful things. So vitamin C is really a pro-drug for the hydrogen peroxide, as you mentioned. And uh, with Dr. Chen, she did a study with you, I believe, what was on uh, high-dose ascorbate or vitamin C um, enhanced the chemosensitivity of ovarian cancer uh, when, yes. with chemotherapy. Was that one of the, pro the studies you both did together? Yes, it is, and um, that was really interesting because that's where we came up with this feel-good effect, and we're really trying to expand that. There's something about vitamin C that actually generates a sensation of feeling well, um, and it may take several doses uh, before this effect is seen. Sometimes even patients may feel a little ill and, at, with their first dose, and I think that's a detoxification reaction. But that aside, from there on out, there's generally an enhancement of, of uh, maybe brain chemistry, and we're also looking at functional MRI to see where the brain lights up with uh, IV vitamin C. What are some of the changes seen in the brain itself when we give IV vitamin C? So that, that feel-good effect came out of this um, ovarian cancer trial. But the, in addition, we saw that it... It, there appears to be synergy with uh, chemotherapeutic drugs, uh, paclitaxel and carboplatin, which was news to use. This was the first time in the literature that, that we proved that there was synergy, that as you know, you've been in this field long enough, that the oncologists were always afraid that we were going to inhibit their chemotherapy. And we've proven time and time again in the animal model and now in humans that there's synergy between uh, vitamin C and, and chemotherapy. Let's go to the next speaker, Dr. Lewis Cantley. He's gonna speak in the morning, he's an MD, and uh, how, did he, does he have a specialty of IV vitamin C and colon cancer? Is that what his... No, he's a traditionally trained oncologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering, and they are very interested in pro-oxidative therapies, um, and he got really interested in, in vitamin C and started looking at uh, colorectal cancer, cancer models and found that, um, um, there, that the vitamin C actually uh, impacts these two pathways, KRAS and, and BRAF. So there was a lot of excitement generated by this uh, paper. 
And um, in fact, it's gotten the National Institutes of Health, the National Cancer Institute, a little bit more interested in IV vitamin C than they've ever been before. So uh, hats off to Dr. Cantley. <laughs> well, I, you know, vitamin C and colon cancer, that brings us back to the Pauling days and Cameron days and the controversy. So um, that, that, you know, full circle, I don't know, what, 30 years ago? I, have, I can't even remember. 70s, no, 70s and 40s. 80s. Uh, Doing this, yeah. doing this too long, getting old. <laughs> so, all right. Um, next in the morning is Dac, uh, Dan, Dr. Daniel Monti, um, and he's. It looks like a potpourri of IV vitamin C and discussing of different types of cancers: non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, pancreatic cancer. What is his uh, focus? Uh, Dan is a good friend of mine, and he is um, um, the integrative medicine director at the Kimmel Cancer Center. And he got interested in intravenous vitamin C and, uh, by our acquaintance and the acquaintance with Mark uh, Levine at the NIH. So he um, uh, dove into this and has been very successful. In fact, he's just received a very large philanthropic uh, support for uh, furthering this work in IV vitamin C. So very excited about that. And where Great is he... Thing. Where is he from again? I'm sorry, I didn't catch the integrative medicine department. Yes, I didn't say. He's at Jefferson Medical Center at the Kimmel Cancer Center. So for me, I mean, I, for the, those who listen, I just want you to know, this is not like we're taking a bunch of alternative people like me and working in the trenches. These are people at academic institutions, some of the you know best in the world that are that are really focused on this. And I think that leads to our your keynote speaker, Mark Levin. I don't know how someone could be more credentialed in, in doing cancer research. An amazing guy. And he's really the linchpin for, for all of us. I mean, he's really um, held us together and connected us. And I'm so appreciative. He's just a, basically a nice guy, too. I mean, just a peach of a guy. But uh, uh, Mark, in the, in the 90s, it's an interesting story, actually, uh, as he tells it. Uh, he got interested in medical school uh, about nutrition and biochemistry, because he really saw that this was the way back to health. Well, of course, nobody believed that nutrition and biochemistry were anyway linked. And so he decided what he was going to do was uh, uh, go to the NIH and work on uh, nutrition research. And um, he went ahead and, and finished his endocrine fellowship a, uh, after his internal medicine residency and ended up at the NIH. And he said when he got there, Nobody was doing any type of nutrition research, and so he had to develop many of the methods that, that are in use now and really learn how to do it. So amazing story. But he picked vitamin C out of a hat. I mean, it was just serendipitous that he chose vitamin C. And he uh, just wanted to see what happened to healthy individuals when they were when vitamin C was taken out of their diet and then uh, what their levels would be and, and then if they repleted them with vitamin C, gave it back again, how much vitamin C could be absorbed in the body. So basic pharmacokinetic study, oral pharmacokinetics. But then on a whim, he injected a gram of vitamin C in some of these subjects and then did a computer model of what would happen at, if it was a higher dose given. And he found that Vitamin C by mouth is really tightly controlled. No matter how much we take and no matter what the advertisers say, you can't get in a high range 
with oral vitamin C. But with IV vitamin C, you bypass this tight control and you can get really high levels. So that was seminal work in the 90s. And then after that, he got really excited about some of the vitamin C and um, research. And I have to tell you, uh, Dr. Hugh Reardon, after he read Mark's paper, went up to the NIH several times and kept bothering him. He said, you've got to look at this cancer work. You've got to look at this research on infection. And he didn't let Mark rest. So finally, Mark looked at some of Hugh Reardon's cases from the center, and indeed there was something remarkable there. So that really pushed Mark into this field. So it's kind of a cool symmetry, I think. So, and, and just so we give kudos to Dr. Reardon, uh, Reardon was your, your mentor and, uh, he was, and a great I pioneer. Yes, I was so fortunate to be a, trained by uh, Hugh Reardon in the 90s and learn IV vitamin C at the center in Wichita. So I, it was just a wonderful opportunity and experience. So would you say Mark Levin is, I mean, he's contributed to a lot of things because I see all these these references here when I pulled his name out on vitamin C, but um, he's helped in trying to assess uh, a therapeutic dose level via the yes. intravenous vitamin C and what might be effective and how you measure it, or is, is that a contribution of his? It absolutely is, and that was some of the pioneering work he did with Kay Chen when Kay in the 2000s was um, at, at Mark's lab in her postdoc. So uh, that really, you know, Hugh Ridnoy said, well, you need at least 350 uh, milligrams per deciliter uh, blood level um, to affect cell kill and maybe a little bit higher. But we never knew. I mean, we never had a benchmark for that. But after the Mark and Kay's research, uh, they showed that cell kill did happen in that range. So that was pretty cool for us to have that uh, and, research. And that has to, and that has to be done by intravenous vitamin C to get to that level, correct? It absolutely has to be done by IV vitamin C. You cannot do it with oral. Okay. Well, now we're going to move to one of the most important speakers, and that's you, Jeannie Drisco. Do you know what you're going to talk about? <laughs> Know what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to give the really practical application of administering IV vitamin C uh, for the uh, everyday practitioner in, in his or her office and some of the pitfalls and some of the myths and, and using the finger stick to measure the blood level. And I also want to leave time for question and answers because that is the funnest uh, experience when I have these uh, practitioners who are using IV vitamin C, whether they're experienced or just newly embarking on it uh, on the field, um, it gives, it, you know, the questions are so insightful and really the, it gives, I think, everybody the opportunity to learn more practical, hands-on things. So will there be, um, for, for that lecture, and, and when a, if a new doctor came, I'm not just saying that I wouldn't learn anything because I've interviewed you so many times, but I, I would learn something. But let's say somebody brand new came and said, you know, I think that's something I'd like to use in my clinic. Will will they have a good structure to follow when they leave this conference? They should have the underpinning and the understanding that there is science behind this therapy and uh, that there are um, uh, pretty easy protocols to follow. And, um, and some of the ins and outs of the practical application. So I would hope at the end of the conference 
uh, people would not only have the understanding and the appreciation of the science, but they would be able to take some of this back and Monday start thinking about instituting it in their practice. And would you say that the dose ranges that you use in IV vitamin C range from, let's say, 15, 30 grams up to 100 grams? Is that the ballpark? I think that's fair. Yes. You, generally, um, we'll start with test doses of about 10 grams uh, just to see how the patient is going to do. Uh, but then depending on, on the need or, or whether it's an acute infection or, or chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, whatever, you know, cancer, everything, um, we tailor the dose to that uh, particular need. So here's, this is where it got really exciting for me. Not that I'm not excited about cancer and vitamin C, but I, I've always, again, believed that I've done so many interviews with researchers who will pick out a nutrient, let's say, in a critical care setting, and it's low. That was selenium for sepsis and, and, and antioxidants for sepsis. And then Dr. Alpha Fowler, and he's a pulmonary specialist who for 30 years has been studying um, sepsis. And so, yeah, when, so when his article came out, you know, phase one safety trial of intravenous ascorbic acid in patients with severe sepsis, I actually interviewed him, and I was so thrilled that somebody in an academic setting in an ICU was using uh, intravenous vitamin C at more than, you know, like 500 milligrams. So yeah. talk about his work, because I think that that pulls another, you know, the broad spectrum of where vitamin C could be used. Yes, I absolutely agree with you in your initial comment that we're going to see the biggest bang for the buck, so to speak, in, uh, in acute settings, uh, burn, uh, sepsis, infection, um, and so you're absolutely correct in that. And, and Dr. Fowler, he likes to be called Barry, so I had to learn not to call him Alpha, <laughs> but Barry. <laughs> And he also is just a, a really remarkably uh, nice guy. But he had these patients, and, and, and the uh, death rate of sepsis patients in the ICU is extraordinarily high. It can be anywhere from 30% to 80%, depending on the institution or uh, how sick the patient is. So it, it's not a benign condition, and they're always trying to find uh, a way to, to, to mitigate these, these horrible outcomes. And he found that uh, using the IV vitamin C, he was able to reduce the, they have a certain scoring system called the SOFA scoring system, and it's recently changed. But the scoring system improved significantly in the patients getting IV vitamin C. So that was a, a proof of concept trial, uh, just a phase one safety trial, and he's expanding that now. Um, uh, and I'm very excited. Um, I've spoken on the phone with him a number of times, but uh, really excited to meet him in person uh, because I, I agree with you. I think this is this is going to be uh, where we're going to find the most exciting future for IV vitamin C. Well, I think I think if you can get in, you know, cancer has its own charge to it when you talk about vitamin C and cancer. But if you can open the door to a severe illness like this, then I think people will be more open to looking at for, you know, IV, uh, you know, IV vitamin C in the, in the ER for um, asthma or, you know, poisonings or all the things that Klenner experimented with that, yes. you know, you, you want to see done, but it just, I think this opens the door for it. And so that's why I'm so incredibly excited. Now, his doses were 
different than your doses. And the way he protects the vitamin C, I mean, it's it's covered up. It's kept in a refrigerator until it's literally hooked up and, and the tubing is all covered. Um, and I was wondering, and this is a question, that he's protecting it against oxidation, correct? Is that the, the, the thought? That's correct. So then, like most of the clinicians, we don't put, you know, bags over IV vitamin C. We don't have them in the refrigerator, you know, Actually, he, when I read his work, he like literally brought the right out of the refrigerator and hooked it up to the people. So could it be that, let's say, a 60,000 um, milligram IV infusion, because it's oxidized, might be, only, uh, if they did it the way that Dr. Fowler does it, which covers it up and everything, you could get away with a less amount because it's more, it's not oxidized or damaged. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense, but I'm just not sure that that's accurate. And I think it, it, we need to have some basic science work looking at what happens to the bag um, if it's mixed on, you know, immediately and hooked up immediately right. without all the production compared to the refrigeration and covering, et cetera. I, I think with a good quality uh, company, and uh, you'll see, and, and you know this, that, that the, the color of the vitamin C is, is not very yellow. But as it oxidizes, it changes color. So you really have to be uh, critically aware of, of what kind of a product you're using. But uh, back to your original question, I, I think that, that we need to, to have some pretty in-depth evaluation, uh, you know, of, of what really needs to be done so it doesn't become a medical myth. Correct. And his uh, dosages for sepsis were much lower, like between, I think it was, I want to say 3 and 10 or 3 and 14,000 milligrams. High. It wasn't very high. Yeah. And it, it um, you know, I probably would have been a little bit more aggressive, but it certainly showed that it was safe and that there was benefit. Right. So, um all right, well, let's go on to his, his colleague, who I just interviewed on a, on a print interview, with uh, Dr. Nataragan, I hope I said that right, um, and he did an article, uh, Vitamin C's Deficiency in Septic Critical Care Patients and How to Assess It. So um, is he more on the assessment side, or what's his talk going to be about? He wanted to talk about some of the new uh, basic science research around this to really show how important it is to to consider uh, intravenous vitamin C in, in a sepsis model, in a sepsis patient. So I think he's going to be enhancing uh, not just, oh, that it works, but what's really happening when you're giving the IV vitamin C. So I think we're going to come away with a lot of information about, um, about why it's helpful, what we're actually doing to patients when we're helping them with the intravenous vitamin C. We are talking to Dr. Jeannie Drisco from uh, KU Medical Center, the Department of Integrative Medicine, about their conference on September 30th and October 1st, 2016, uh, Intravenous Vitamin C Integrative Therapies, and we're going through some of the speakers and their topics. We've got a couple more. Uh, on the next day, on a Saturday, Dr. Joseph Cullen, um, he did an article, Treatment of Pancreatic Cancer with Pharmacologic Ascorbate. Um, is he going to talk about vitamin C and, and, prost and pancreatic cancer treatment? Uh, you know what's really interesting about the Iowa group, uh, Dr. Cohen and Dr. Butner, who's the, the speaker right after Dr. Cohen, they've had a very interesting um, 
a set of experiments looking at using IV vitamin C in radiation oncology. And that's always been a little bit of a scary place for me to go because uh, early on I found that when I gave the IV vitamin C to patients getting radiation therapy, I seemed to potentiate the burn, uh, the, the effects, the oxidative effects of radiation. And so I backed off. I stopped giving IV vitamin C during uh, radiation therapy if the patient was going to go in for, let's say, five weeks and, you know, get a number of treatments. That we just stopped and we waited until they were done. So they're going to give us more information, I believe, about the combining of the use of uh, IV vitamin C and radiation oncology. But yes, they are looking at pancreatic cancer uh, in addition. So uh, that was that's their cancer model. Well, that would be so helpful because now you know I feel somewhat comfortable, well, I feel comfortable telling patients and reassuring them that they're getting chemotherapy, we can give the vitamin C, but if they could find a way to explain to us how that we could give it in or around radiation therapy, that would be fabulous. Um, yes. You know what I think it's going to come down to is if they're given hand-in-hand, um, -hand, uh, the radiation dose may have to be modulated, but, you know, the radiation oncologist may not be interested in that. <laughs> Um, but we've got a great team here of radiation oncologists, and they're always uh, stopping by and visiting with us and talking about ways to partner better. So um, it's definitely a, a different day, isn't it? <laughs> well, just well, it is for you. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that you're doing this at the medical center, and you can make those comments about conversations with the radiologist or the oncologist because. Vitamin C is kind of getting accepted as I, I feel more tolerance, I guess is what I'm saying from oncologists. But still, you know, it's nowhere you're going to sit down in a room and chat with them about it. So the last speaker, um, you know, intrigues me because I believe it's Dr. Abraham Hoffer's son, John Hoffer. It is. Yes. It is. And I caught an article on him. Uh, he did one on high dose vitamin C promotes regression of multiple pulmonary metastases originating from hepatocellular cancer. And. And, and I know he's trying to assess vitamin C and show that it's very deficient in hospital settings. Um, is that kind of his focus for his talk? I believe so. I think that's what he's going to discuss. And uh, he did some of the original work in the pharmacokinetic studies. Um, and he also is with uh, Mark Levine in, um, um, in some of our early work. So... I think he is going to uh, add to um, the previous discussion. Well, I, you know, Jeannie, we've done it perfect. You've gone over, I think you've given a taste of not only what it's about, but you still, there's, there's pearls for people, whether they're, they're people in the lay public listening or whether you're a professional. I mean, I think you're bringing on a, a, a real perception that vitamin C in cancer and acute illness is real. It's not just hocus pocus wishful thinking, and, and that we're really having some good research behind it. So that's why I think your conference is so so incredibly Im important. And do you see a day, well, you already see it, I guess. I, it's, you see a day where, you know, you could walk into an ICU, and whether it's a cancer patient or, you know, a respiratory distress patient or sepsis patient where, I don't know, they use both, the best of both worlds, which is, you know, the intravenous vitamin C with the antibiotic or whatever they got to do. Do you see that day coming soon? Or in your lifetime? I, absolutely, I see it coming. In fact, we had our team, the KU Integrated Medicine team, 
had discussions with the KU Hospital administration yesterday about, okay, how are we going to partner? What are we going to do? What does it look like? So I think that day is around the corner. Wow, that just that gives me goose pimples, truly. You know, because I just, you know, you just want the best of both worlds, you know. And and when you see it, and you can't put them together, it's it's quite frustrating as a clinician. So, any any closing thoughts you'd like to share, or tell people how they can sign up for the conference? Well, um, I think you will probably provide a link to the conference material. Ab- absolutely, the- I'll have I'll have a PDF of the the flyer, and then I'll also have a link right to the registration section. On the- yeah. If anyone's interested and, and wants to be part of this groundbreaking uh, conference, it really is the first of its kind, getting everyone under one roof, uh, I would welcome welcome the participation. And this is going to be at the medical center? Or no, actually, we decided that we were going to make it easier for people. So it is at uh, the Kansas City Public Library, uh, the Plaza Branch, which is next to a wonderful hotel, the Intercontinental Hotel, and people will be able to walk right to the library. And there's also uh, a wonderful uh, walking, running park up the street from the hotel and lots of great restaurants and uh, just really trying to provide a wonderful um, ambiance for people. So, no, it's not going to be at the medical center. (laughs) And when you fly into uh, Kansas City, is it a long way away to get to the downtown or the the hotel? It'll probably be about 30, 35 minutes. It's a pretty straight shot, so it's not terrible. And, of course, in Kansas City, where everything's up to date in Kansas City, we have Uber and um, and then your, your conventional taxi and and super shuttle to that type of thing from the airport to the uh, to the hotel. Well, Jeannie, thank you so much again. Um, I, I'm getting excited. I can't. I'm. You know, I. This is just a big deal because it's it's a validation of um, trying to you know gather good information, good research, and then you know the goal is to get it down to the clinical physician who's delivering it. You know, and then ultimately the patient. And I think you've been the yeah. bridge. I think you've been the bridge, and this is a, a great first step. So thank you so much. Yes, I'll I'll speak to you soon. Okay. And I want to thank you, the audience, for listening to this edition of the Staying Healthy Today show. You can go to stayinghealthytoday.com, and you can sign up for my newsletter. This will be in iTunes, and there will be links to uh, sign up for this important conference. And until next time, stay and be well. Mm -hmm.